Welcome to The Laneway, where we delve into all things health, fitness, lifestyle, and sustainable fat loss. But coming at you with an unbiased, educational, and hopefully entertaining approach. Welcome to this episode. I don't even know what it is. It could be episode 8, could be episode 9, could be episode 10. I know it's season 2, if that helps, of the number one traveling podcast on the West Coast of Australia, Right now, in this epic episode, we tell you where where we would move to and where we would live. We tell you that we are back on the road and we tell you where we're going to. And I also talk about being in Speedos. Question number one, advice for training during Ramadan. We worked out we know very little about Ramadan. Question number two, can you explain your exit strategy that you use? Question number three, five fat loss mistakes that you see all the time. Question number four. Would it be possible to only train lower body for the rest of your life and still maintain a decent physique? It was actually asked by someone that has no upper body. Question number five, after a fat loss phase, how do I know what my new maintenance calories are? And we are live. Here we are. Here we are. Jeez Louise. We actually... um. I've let the little podcast slide for a little bit. I want you to be honest about our last podcast because we haven't exactly let the podcast. <laughs> Hang on, is this a chit chat? Is this what you were going to actually talk about? No, oh, it okay. just occurred to me then when you were like, we let it slide, which technically we have not released a podcast, but that does not mean we have not recorded a podcast. Yeah, I think it would be. It's the second time it's happened, actually. We recorded a podcast and it wasn't a vibe. And why wasn't it a vibe? The topics that we spoke about were just real negative. And I just thought, truthfully, that no one would get any value out of that. It's very unusual for us to be in a negative mindset, negative Mm. headspace, negative outlook, and... The topics, the topics. When you say topics, it was really just the chit chat stuff. Yeah, we had had stuff happen um, during the the you know the week leading up to that that we spot you know that we had said oh we'll talk about this on the podcast that will be interesting, and it was all coming from a negative space. Yeah, and so for the second time ever, we decided not to release it because we just felt like it would not provide value to people and then that kind of carried over also to then when the questions were asked we kind of didn't Mm. have the most the 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 most positive outlook that you could and look i think it's important to share from time to time when this happens um because i think you would have seen when we went through you know all of ash's ms stuff or whatever pretty much what you saw was what you got what you guys got to see and how we were dealing with it was a really um, transparent reflection into actually how we were dealing with it. We weren't necessarily, look, we weren't crying on um, on Instagram, although there was a couple of you showing that you had tears and stuff. So we weren't, you know, but that was a pretty honest reflection of what was happening real time. So we have the ability to deal with challenges and struggles, of course, However, it was just one of those weeks where there was the chips were stacked against us. I like that they were, and we didn't deal with it as um, as best 
I didn't deal with it as best as I could have, and I think that was reflected in our right. Yeah, so it was. It, w- it felt honestly, it felt a little bit ranty. Yes. Now I think there is a massive difference between being transparent, being open, honest, raw, upfront about having. A shit week, like let's be honest, yeah. Like yeah. if that's what we're going to put it down to, yeah. and then there's a difference between that and then just being ranty, yeah. And that's just what it was. Both of us got off the podcast, and usually we get off the podcast and we are like high five, high vibe. That day we got off the podcast, and I was like, you know what, it just wasn't a vibe, like. And I am also super conscious of like not wanting to be that person. And I actually did think that I do think that I spoke about it on that particular podcast about toxic positivity as well. So I am conscious of that, that I just don't want to be somebody who just shows you guys the positive sides and nothing else. And I don't think that we do. I I do believe that you guys get what you see. But like I said, it was just a rant and no one needed it in their life, to be honest. Mm. That's how I feel. Now, (laughs) when we left on this trip, we left with a very open mind in terms of our future and where we could end up. Yes. And we left from the east coast of Australia. We're now on the opposite coast, on the west coast, which is renowned for beautiful beaches, crystal clear water. The water is so clear. Like on the east coast, when you get attacked by a shark, you don't know what's happening. You're not <laughs> sure yet until the shark bites you. Whereas like on the west coast, you got a long time to shit yourself before the shark actually... That's how pristine it is over here. You know, like, I mean, beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely spectacular. So when we left Burley on the Gold Coast, we were like... Everyone's like, where will we end up? And we left very open-minded. Mm. And I want to ask you... Ashley. <laughs> oh, that means I'm in trouble. So far... No, when you're getting slapped on the bum means you're in trouble. <laughs> so far, have you found anywhere that you would live? No, Burley. Oh, shit. That was a quick answer. <laughs> no, I haven't. I do love... I Look, home, the Gold Coast is home for us, yeah? It, like it, it, it wasn't originally, was it? It wasn't, no. We're from... For those that don't know, we're actually originally from Sydney, like Western Sydney, Hawkesbury area. So, living on the Gold Coast is very, very different. However, the Gold Coast is, well, how long have we been there? Since 2008? Mm. And it's home. Mm. It feels like home. And when we left, I was also open-minded. We both were. However, I did think to myself, I don't know how you'd ever feel like somewhere else is home. It could happen. I just don't, I can't see how that could feel like that yet. And no, I haven't felt... I haven't felt home. I, yeah, I haven't felt found a place that's felt like home. I haven't found anywhere that I would move to yet. No. Like, I don't expect it to feel like home because even the Gold Coast didn't feel like home at the start. Yeah, I guess. So, when we moved to the Gold Coast, we set... Was it 12 months? Yeah, it was 12 months. We set that we no matter what happens, we cannot leave for 12 months. We must commit to 12 months, knowing that we would miss our friends and miss our family, and there would be... A feeling of pulling us back towards Sydney that would be difficult to overcome, even though we left it for the right reasons. You know when you go through a breakup and you only remember the good stuff, never the bad stuff? No, I don't know that. I've been with you since I was 17. 
<laughs> and I never had a girlfriend before you, so I don't know that either. But I've heard people say that when you go through a breakup, you know, those week or whatever after, yeah. they're like, oh, it's oh, that was so much fun. And then that's why so many people get back together and they go, oh, that's why I hated you. You forget, <laughs> you forget that stuff. And so when we left Sydney, it's easy to, like we left for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. so we knew that we would be, you know, it's like, trying to push over a Coke machine. It's got to wobble back and forth a few times before it goes over, right? And we knew that would be the case with um, detaching ourselves from Sydney. And so we set 12 months. No matter what happens, we'll do 12 months. And I reckon at three months, easy, I could have gone back. Absolutely. Super easy. Yeah. Well, not me. I was like so detached from Sydney. I was like, "Mm mm-mm. Done. Can't pay me to go back. Yeah. You, on the other hand, you have this thing like – when, when there's change in life, mm, yeah? Probably. I reckon you get to about that three... Be- it happens between three to six month mark and it's like you get the wobbles a little bit. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, the speed wobbles. Yeah, and that's kind of what it was. But then once you reach, if you can reach six months, mm. boom. Yeah. You cha- like yeah. change has been accepted. And this is something that... Tri- it's actually something that triggers my depression, actually, yeah. is big change. Yeah. Even though I, prior to change, I'm like, yep, 100%, let's do it. Let's, let's 100%. I'm keen as, I can't wait. So even saying this caravan thing, yeah, keen as for it. Nothing that I would rather do. Yeah. However, I went into it knowing that I'm going to get the three-month speed wobbles. Yeah. Like the wheel on the trolley at Coles. Yeah. And you just have to, you know, walk it off. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it would happen, and how long ago do you reckon it was that I said to you for the first time, I kind of like missed home or felt like I could go back? Was that probably... It was three three months in. Three months in. Yeah, like it might have been three months and two weeks or something. Mm. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, oh, really? Like, do you want to go home? Like and I, like, no. I was like, no, but, you know, I just get a bit of sad heart yeah. or whatever, you know? But you move past it. Yeah. Obviously, you still miss your friends. Like, everyone misses their friends. Yeah. Of course, I miss our friends. But it's not like that doesn't make me want to go, oh, I might as well go home tomorrow. Mm. Like, they'll be there when we get back. I hope so. And we still talk to them. Well, yeah. We FaceTime them. FaceTime all the time. Where did we start with that? I was going to say something about that. I don't know. You're asking me, have I found anywhere? I haven't either. But I, I'll tell you what I have found. So, no, I personally also, I, I didn't expect, that's what I was going to say, I didn't expect anyone to feel like home yet because it takes a while for, yeah. for that to happen. And it took about six months for the Gold Coast to feel like home. However, before moving to the Gold Coast, I was like, this could definitely be my new home. Yes. You know, like... Do snails change homes or is that who is it crabs? <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know. Lobsters, crab no, not crabs. There's some kind of sea creature that outgrow their shell. And yes. so they peel out and then they you know is it a turtle? Do turtles do that? Or do they surely their shell doesn't grow? I think their shell grows, bro. Really? I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure, yeah. I don't know. We'll Look, we will learn this on our trip. Yes, we will. We're about to go swim with sea lions tomorrow. Case legitimately said to me, what's a sea lion? I had to laugh. I'm like, really? <laughs> well, before that, you've gone, hey, bro, do you want to go um, snorkel with sea lions tomorrow? He's like, yes. <laughs> what's a sea lion? <laughs> and I'm like, you are your mother's child, mate. You are 100% your mother's kid. Like, just in for anything. Like, yeah, 100% I do. What is it? What's a sea lion? Though? Yeah. 
Um, so I didn't expect to find anywhere yet that feels like home. <coughs> However, I did think that I would have found prospective homes. Like, oh, I could live here. Yeah. You know? I mean. Yeah. Like when we traveled to Dubai, mm. I felt like, I actually felt like I could live there. Yeah, it was pretty Did cool. you? Yeah, it was pretty mad. Japan? Had it. Like when we snowboard? Yeah. And I know it's a romantic holiday fling. Yes. Right? It's a, it's a, it's a crush. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. I do know that. But I thought we'd have some crushes over here. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I would live here. No, definitely not yet. Hasn't happened yet. No. And we're at Perth. No, well, we're, sorry, we're, we're north just now. A couple hundred Ks north? 300? Like four, how long did it take? Is it three and a half hours to get here? Yeah, so... I don't know. I don't even know. Three and a half <laughs> hours north of Perth. Mm. We're on the move again. We are on the road again. How good. It felt like, honestly, I will, it'll go down in history that we did live at Perth. We were there for that long. We, we, lived. Were there, we lived there. Actually, yeah, fair, yeah, fair enough. Like, yeah. I will be like, yes, we've lived in Perth because if, we were there for freaking three months. If you're at a place long enough to develop and be diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, I feel like you've lived there. I lived in Perth. You know? We lived in Perth as a family. So, yeah, now we're at... Um, well, hang on. Develop, diagnose, yeah. treat it. Treat. Yeah. <laughs> and move on. And high five and get out of there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, then we finally got out of there. Actually, it's crazy. So, the saga with the Chev that we were actually... That was the last thing that was holding us back there. And I think we spoke about that on the last podcast. We'll just... The GMSV found the problem with the Chev and they're like, yeah, we just need to order in the parts. Well, we expected, like on the Gold Coast, you order in parts, it's like they're by 4 p.m. the same day. Well, two weeks went past and it hadn't arrived. So, we were waiting, waiting, waiting and then they called us and they were like, yeah, no, um, we can't we can't do it. So, we actually had to leave. We didn't have to, but we're like, oh, we've been here long enough. So, and we have to go back to Perth in a few weeks. People are going to be like, wow, these guys don't want to leave Perth. But yeah, we have to go back in a few weeks for an MRI. And we've also have friends that are coming over. Their kids are go-karting there. So, we'll like, we'll take the chef back then. We'll get my MRI. We'll meet our friends and then we'll Bust shoot back up to where we are. So, mm. yeah, we're in a magic spot right now. I... So, I haven't found anywhere to live, but I know what I want out of home. Yes. Is bicycle riding to the beach distance. Yeah, cool. Because we've been here. So, what's this called? Sandy Cape? Yeah, it's beautiful. It is amazing. And so, we're probably, I don't know, how many... A hundred metres to the ocean? Oh, to the actual water, yeah. But, like, we're... It's, honestly, it's probably 20 metres to from here to the... Beach and to then... To the beach and, and then, then the ocean. We're just tucked behind a tiny little sand dune. Like, our the back of our caravan touches the sand dune and you'd walk, I don't know, 10 stops, 10 steps to the top of the sand dune and then you've got this magnificent view. And so each morning... So good. I slide on my little... Little budgies. My little budgies. <laughs> I go have a swim, a morning dip, have my coffee while I sun my balls. And I have never felt so invigorated in my life. I do wonder. I'm like, is it something about just getting up and just getting the shit done? Or is it because it's not something that you generally like you love. It's not like, you know how some people just love an ocean swim? Mm. 
Like, what do you reckon it is? I think a combination, honey. I think that, number one, I don't... I've never loved an ocean swim. It is a current love at the minute, because, not because of the swimming. Don't mind, a f- like, a, fl- a fr- frolic, <laughs> but it's not on my top list. But it's cold... It's you know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a slap in the face when you first jump in the ocean you're like ooh hoo hoo especially once the dick skin touches that's <laughs> like that's when it starts to get real chilly and then you just dive on in and there's obviously something about doing hard things that gives you such a rewarding feeling that I go into it knowing how good I'm going to feel afterwards and knowing it's only five minutes you yeah. know like it's it's not like it's a one hour. I'm not swimming across to New Zealand. (laughs) Well, actually, it had to be a long swim from the West Coast, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm not swimming to Bali. It'll be, you know, and you'll be warm soon. Yes, I love that. I don't know if we spoke about this last time we were on the podcast, but, yeah, that was one of Brad's things. He listened to... Oh, I think we did speak about it. David okay. Goggins. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we did and maybe that was the podcast that actually got deleted potentially. No, I think we spoke about it on one we released. Oh, okay. Mm. So, we spoke about you'll be warm soon. It's mm. like such a mental hack and it's actually because I don't love swimming. I don't like getting my hair wet. It, You know, like I've got thick curly hair. Mm. But going in there Put does... Does feel yes, does it honestly? It does. It feels like you've done something really hard, even though, even though it's like literally just jumping in. The, it, I don't know, there's something about it. Mm. There's something about it. I really, I do actually really like it, yeah. even though I do really like my thing sitting on the bed drinking my coffee in the morning. I prefer that, yeah, because it's easier, yeah. Good point. However, forcing yourself to go outside and drink your coffee out there, yeah, staring at a flaming ball of fire. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable on the eyeballs. It's uncomfortable on the eyes. I just hope we don't fast forward 30 years and you're like, oh, this is, people have sun cancer in their the eyeball, eyeball or whatever due to this thing, you know, or whatever. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't recommend staring directly at the sun. I believe that, like, as long as it's in your peripheral somewhere, <laughs> I don't think you have to... I feel like you'll end up with a migraine or something if you stare at the sun. Something bad would surely happen. Yeah, eyeballs or, yeah, I don't know what, yeah. Yeah, but there's something about just forcing yourself to get out there, sit there, drink the coffee. I might actually swap it up and go the other way about it too. Go Yes, which is kind of what you did this morning. So Brad made us coffee like he does every single day. And he decided as the milk was frothing that he'd take the water t- tub thing off the back and fill it up. And I'm like, I said to him, oh, mate, <laughs> the frother uses the water to froth. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. So then the coffee machine wigged out and his milk didn't froth properly and it was cold. But he still took it out anyway. And he came back after his swim and made another one. So maybe it will, maybe that's a better thing to do. Because you seemed like you enjoyed yourself a little bit more like... Going for the swim and then coming back to watch yeah. the sun and yeah, I feel like that's a better. I might try that order. I'll report back tomorrow. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, we're back on the road. We're about three, four hours north of Perth, and we're going to now do what I think. There's a few iconic parts of this trip. Yeah, I think if you had to write like, you know, iconic stuff, one would be the Nullarbor. Yeah. Travelling across the Nullarbor, I think, is an iconic part, right? Like, And what I mean is, like, going to Adelaide, mm. you know, to me, Adelaide's nice, 
But you can fly, like people fly to Adelaide all the time for all different things. People yeah. live there, if you can believe it. Yeah. Whereas the Nullarbor, I feel like that's an iconic thing. Not that many people live on the Nullarbor. It's only the people really that run the roadhouses and stuff, mm. like limited people. And people don't go there. Just for a holiday. <laughs> oh, for a holiday or for a Thursday for business and then back out on Friday. Yeah. So I, th- I feel like that's one of them. I feel like the Gibb River Road, which is where we we are headed, I feel like that's another iconic thing. Well, a lot of people don't do it. How many people have we met on this trip that are doing going to do the Gibb River? Everyone doesn't do Most it. Most people don't. And that's how you sort of like flex on people. Like, <laughs> Is it? Is that what you're doing? Okay, so remember like when it comes to training and like someone else trains or whatever, and the first thing you're like, what do you bench? You know, <laughs> it's like... I'm going to be honest, I've never, ever said that. You asked me on our first date. No, I didn't. Something But like I that. did actually hear some guy ask somebody the other day and I had to chuckle. But anyway, See, what do you bench? It's like a flex thing. Like, how <laughs> big like is it? It was like a teenager walking up the beach asking another teenager, I heard, I heard you go to the gym. And I was like, oh, my ears pricked when I heard gym, of course. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the kid's like, yeah. And he goes, what do you bench? And I just laughed. I said to Brad, is this like, do people actually do this? Yeah, it's a male thing, honey. It's I still cute. do it now. And, <laughs> and then, so the caravan equivalent of that is like, oh, what are you heading up north? Yeah, yeah, we're going to head up north. Just waiting for the weather. Going across the gib. <laughs> you know? And then the chest go, you know, you poke your chest out, shoulders come back. Yeah, mate. Yep, yep. We'll head across the gib. We're set up for it. Yeah, you know? Yeah. What about you? <clears throat> what do you got, a Jayco? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you're not going to take that across the are you? And they're like, oh, no, we're going to have to take the Fitzroy if it opens. I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll be right. <laughs> you know? It's like the equivalent of having a bench press record. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Look, I am excited about it. I'm also very scared about it. I don't know. We did set up our van for that. Like, that was, that was the end in mind kind mm, of thing. Yeah. All right, what do we need to get across this? atrocious seven how long is it uh you can probably do it in seven days if you only had seven no days. no like kilometers no idea I've, it's like I, this far on the map <laughs> brad's got his fingers just to show you his fingers were up like the um length of like a 30 centimeter ruler like that he's like gets this far on the map like how i actually 1700 or 700 kilometers rings a bell really i don't know we don't have any internet you turned the elon off so that we could get more power in um and so this next part of our trip i feel like is another iconic part right like the west coast the yeah the upper west coast of of western australia sort of look the southern west coast is actually incredibly beautiful so not to take anything away from the margaret river region and i could be um, wrong because it's actually only it's only a, an opinion but from Perth sort of like once you start getting up north you know the Exmouth Monkey Mire Ningaloo, Ningaloo Broome you know some of these peninsulas and stuff I feel like that's another part that is iconic slash never forgets like yeah. I want to I want to lean into once in a lifetime even though you could easy go back and we might do another trip or whatever yeah. I want to like throw once in a lifetime out there like people throw things out a bit too regularly yeah so it's not actually once in a lifetime like yeah. you know like legend yes like you just use it an everyday word kind of like that right <laughs> in the sense of like it's once in a lifetime some yeah. of these beautiful reefs and all this sick stuff 
you know, yeah. falls into that category. Whereas Margaret River, you could fly into Perth and drive down there in the same yeah, day. Yeah, I guess so. Whereas like Ningaloo Reef or whatever, I feel like that's probably also doable in one day, but <laughs> unlikely. Yeah, Does that make I, sense? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And there's that Karajini oh, as it. well that we're going to do. Yeah, there's lots, like, yeah, there's lots of it. We'll be going to Kalbari soon, which uh, FYI was calling Kalbari. Kalbari. What was I saying? I wasn't calling Kalbari? it Kalbari. Kalbari? I don't know. I get picked up nearly every day on how I pronounce the suburbs around here. Mm. What about Coogee, though? Well, okay, for our Sydney siders or so people, people that have been to Sydney, that Coogee Beach, yeah? You've yeah. been there? Yeah. Well, here they have a Coogee that's not Coogee. It's spelled exactly the same, but it's Coogee. People, the first person that was like Coogee, I'm like, what? I thought they were offering like an entree. Yeah. Like what? I'm like, is that seafood or something? I don't know <laughs> if we have that. And they're like, no, it's not Coogee, it's Coogee. And I'm like, huh? oh, okay. Weird. Th- you must be from another country, right? Mm. And then the next person's like, no, no, it's Coogee. I said, stop. We have Coogee yeah. on the East Coast and it's spelt identical. Yeah. Why do you call it Coogee and we call it Coogee? Well, that's true. But they, And they even have like North, Co- North Coogee. Coogee. But they're very firm on it. I was like, yeah, but it's actually Coogee. Yeah. I know you're saying it wrong, and <laughs> I, I can appreciate where you're coming from, <laughs> but you understand it's actually Coogee. And they were very like, no, no. like actually it is actually Coogee. Mm. And I'm like, I get it, but it's not though. Yes. Like I can't get my head around Coogee. Yeah, I'm a bit the same, but there's been heaps of suburbs. Like even we were staying at Karen Yup, but... You were saying to me, look, I don't Take know. Take out the wires, Karen up or some well, shit. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't it's just, even I feel know. like that might have been some locals. Just, you know how like we would say Coomera? Yeah. like And it's Coomera. Ma- like when we first got to Mandura. <laughs> and it's Mandra. And it's Mandra. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. May- maybe it's one of them, Karen yeah. up. I don't know. That was it. You said it good. You said it exactly how the dude that had no teeth said it. <laughs> All right, let's get into the questions. You ready? No, I don't have them. Hang on, let me get it. Well, how about I just... No, because you did this last time and you just left. I was answering... I don't know. I didn't know what I was answering. All right, go. All right, question number one. Yes. Advice for training during Ramadan. Oh, how interesting. We were in Dubai during Ramadan. Were, were we, we? Or, with, or did we leave just before? I think we were there at, at the day or two before. Oh. I'm, I'm 99% sure we were there just before because I believe they do something for it there. Maybe? Well, Rang a bell? They, like... Because I, I feel know. like we felt like we were missing out on something by not being there. And so that makes me wonder, I wonder if... it's if, like a festival. Like maybe. Or maybe... Oh, maybe it was and it was about to finish and there was about to be a festival after. Maybe. I don't know. A so parade? Maybe. A I walk at least? Something. They might be. We were, in, we were in and around Dubai roughly at the time of Ramadan. So... Is it 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. that they don't it's eat? Sun, 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 sun down right. to sun up. Yes, yeah, so not the time. To, yeah. Um, so, obviously, this is more opinion-based, but if it were me, I would probably wait until it's eating hour. The first, you know, when you first can go, all right, cool, I can eat, then eat, and then go and train, like not obviously immediately, like maybe maybe leave it an hour, go train and then come back home and 
eat up the rest of your your food. That's probably going to be the best thing. You've got then you've got enough food before and post, depending on how long they actually eat for as well, which that's something that I don't know because obviously they're going to go to bed. I believe we should have really researched this topic prior. Yes. However. (laughs) I really feel like we should have. However, I believe possibly do they get up slightly before sunrise to eat. Ah, that would make sense. And potentially... Would you set your, your, your alarm for a midnight steak, maybe? Uh, I don't look, I don't know. It would... So, here's the, here's the problem, okay, that you would encounter with this, with setting your alarm for a midnight steak. I have done that in the past. Have you really? Yes. So, that was... I remember that was a rumour. That was a myth back when I was um, trendy. Was... And this was like in the bro days. This is before there was a thing called research. This is before evidence... There's always been research. This is before evidence base even existed, right? You're probably still in primary school. Well, so, this was, this was bef- uh, this before BC, Ash. Before Coz, yeah. Oh. So, back then... Why do you call me Coz? Your old, um, your old <laughs> last name was Cosgrove. And so, so you were Coz and Cozzy and... And that's all I Snoz have been forever. And, yes. Anyway, keep so going. So you're still cause here and there. Um, back then, I remember seeing a buff dude in the gym and saying, how do I get buff like you? First, of course, <laughs> naturally, of course, the first thing I said was how much do you bench? And then because he could bench more than me, I was like, all right, what's the trick? What's the secret magic, Mike? If it, let me have it. No one else has ever told me. You must have it. So tell me what... The fuck the trick is. I've had it up to here with no one telling me what this hidden secret is. He goes, you know what I do, bro? I said, tell me, bro. He said, I set my alarm for midnight and I get up and I eat a steak at midnight. I do wonder if he was taking the piss. Okay. I don't believe he was (laughs) because once I heard it, you know, once you see something once or hear something once, then it's in your RAS and it it comes up a fair bit. It was a thing. It was a bro thing. So for the bro days, like the old bodybuilding.com days of the forums, it was a thing. Because wow. how long does protein last in your body? Oh Three, four hours roughly. Gosh. You go to bed at eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yes. You're in a catabolic state for hours. The muscles literally fall. You literally get up from your bed and leave muscle on the sheets. Your mum's coming in. She's had it up to here with muscle getting left all over the sheets. She has to wash every day, right? You're in a catabolic state for hours and hours, multiple hour after hour, catabolic. So I would get up. I think I did it for about maybe two times. Get up you, you worked out how shit it was. Do you know how hard it is to get up at midnight and eat a steak? Bro, I can't believe you did that. Yeah. Look, I search it up, bro. This is not just like, me. Like, how old were you? I would say, I'd have to say 17. Wow. Maybe, there you go. Maybe 18. All right. So, here's the problem with doing that. Is that... Well, well, you would want to do it at Ramadan, wouldn't you, mate? No. Not so funny now, is it? Well, like, I just want to be more just... <laughs> like actual real. Real. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, you know how, like, you have a body clock. When the sun comes up, 
you get that beautiful sun on your skin. It sets your body clock, your circadian rhythm to actually, it's wake up time. Certain hormones are released at bedtime. Certain hormones are released to make you go to sleep. Okay. And Brad's winking at me. Now, when you eat is also like a trigger for that as well. So breaking the fast breakfast, right? You're breaking that fasting period and you're telling your body that it is wake up time and that we've got energy to burn for for the day. If you're getting up at midnight and eating a steak, how do you think your body is going to respond to your circadian rhythm? Like, do you think it's going to help you get back to sleep or do you think it's going to help you stay awake? I can tell you now it's going to help you stay awake. Yeah, look. Like you're Leap will be just so all over the place. All right, listen up, science boy. <laughs> that look, you're 100 percent right, of course, and I know that now. I know. But even remember, this was back in the days. This is even before um, team um, uh, team no days off, team sleep when you're dead. What was you know team grind like hustle culture? Hustle culture where it was a competition. Whoever slept less yeah. was like, how much do you chest? How yeah. much do you bench? Are you yeah. doing the gib? And <laughs> question number three to test your manliness. Do you have airbags? Was <laughs> not about the airbags. It was about how much sleep do you get? I yeah. remember it used to be a competition. It was like, oh, yeah, no time. You sleep when you're dead. I only slept three hours because I'm such a man. <laughs> And I got yes. like I grew a beard overnight by only sleeping three hours. That's yes. how manly I am. Yeah, My testes like grew from yeah. this. It was like one of the you know like that culture was there. Team no days off yep. and all that absolute horse shit. While it was sort of like even before then, so people didn't even know how important sleep was during team no days off. Let alone well and truly even before any of that when it was team protein middle of the night, bro. Right? Yes. So, this was well and truly before anyone understood anything about sleep in the bodybuilding space. Yeah. Or, which, you know, has transformed into lifestyle lifting. Yes. Oh, I like that. Lifestyle lifting. I think I made that up right then. (sighs) Maybe you did. I like it. You know? I might use that. Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. So, that was... That w- what was the question again? Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what would we do? What would you do for training Look, during Ramadan? You know what? I would have to say that I would have a couple plans up my sleeve and I would wait because I've never done it. Of course. Right? So I could tell you what I would try. Yeah. However, this might change slightly once I'm there because oftentimes I'll have plan A, plan B, plan C. Yeah. And I'll try something and I'll be like, that didn't work how I thought it would. And so I have to try something severely different. So I would say one of the first, there's two things that come to mind immediately. The first one is the one that you said. Yes. Let's say, I'm just going to use round numbers. Let's say 7 p.m., sun goes down, you're allowed to eat. I would eat something understanding that the food's not going to digest and be available for energy in time for your training session. However, I would eat something that is going to be somewhat fast you know like a fast acting carbohydrate i'll get like a a, actually like i would eat something so there's something in there something of substance like half of a meal like like if you think of your dinner meal i'd probably be a third to half of that meal 
and I would then have some like um, Sour Patch Kids or something just to get a sugar hit yep. for my training session. Yeah. I would then immediately go and train and then I would come back and I would look to try and get a full meal in, like a big, a good size meal. Yep. So from 7, you'll eat, you train from say 7.30 to 8.30, you'd be home at 9. I'd have another meal at say 9 p.m. And then... I depending on what time you go to bed. I I actually don't know if during that time it's like business as usual, or if during that time it's like customary or common to stay up later mm. and enjoy time with family and go. Okay, well we couldn't eat all day, so we'll kind of stay up till midnight. Mm. We'll have a couple dinners, you know, and in you know be with each other during this time kind of thing and yep. at the same time eat also. Yep. So if that's like a customary thing, I'll do that. So that would be plan A probably for me. Mm. I'm only going to do three sessions, mm. so I should be able to make that work. Plan B, if I didn't, if that didn't sort of work or whatever, I would try and train, I would get up before sunrise, mm. have a meal, and I would train at 50% in the morning after that. So I would eat first thing before the sun com- came up once the sun came up I wouldn't want to train at 100% because I wouldn't want to use all that energy mm. first thing in the morning and then not be able to eat until whatever time at night I feel like you would just be like a, a sponge that had been in the sun all day and trying to wring it out yeah. like there's nothing left Yeah. so I'd probably train at 50% with yeah. the goal 30 to 50% with the goal of maintenance with the goal of getting the body moving keeping routine keeping habit you know, maintaining muscle mass, you've had the protein already, so that should help. And then, but without wringing the sponge out too much, so there's a bit of moisture left for the rest of the activities that you've got planned out during the day. That's what comes to mind in terms of training as my first two options. Plan number C would be, if neither one of those two work for whatever reason, once you actually put it into practice, you're like, oh, I didn't realize this or I didn't realize that. I would take the week off training. That would be okay, my Ramadan, third. How long does it go for? It doesn't go for longer, much longer than a week. Isn't it a week? I don't know. Or is it a month? I thought it was a week. I thought it was longer than a week. Oh, no. I could be wrong. People are in their car answering this. <laughs> They're like, And we have no goodness. internet where we are to search this up. Guys. I'm trying and it's slowly. Sorry, we have, we turned Should we put in off? like some, um... Like elevator music? Do, 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 do. Um, let's just move to the next question. Yeah, we can do that. All right, question number two. Can you explain your exit strategy that you use? Mm, this is, um, I can't believe this hasn't been asked earlier because this is part of our three-step strategy to sustainable Oh, you're right, honey. 29 to 30 days. See? My mistake. My mistake. <laughs> um, I should have known that. I'm actually embarrassed that I didn't know that because I usually know stuff about religion. Yes. Um, all right. So, I would definitely go plan A or plan B in that case. Let's not because, use plan C. Yeah, I wouldn't use plan C. All right. So, there's a three-step strategy that Ash has to sustainable fat loss. Most people only have one of the – most diets – are made up of one step and that step is just a fat loss phase it's a deficit anytime you see a shred a challenge whatever it is however it is marketed it's always generally speaking if it's if the goal is fat loss or weight loss then it's made up of one part which is a calorie deficit 
either through simply cutting cutting intake or through expending more energy or both. Now, fat loss should be a phase, not a lifestyle. Fat loss does make up part of the strategy. However, most people need a step before the fat loss, which is, I'm going to say in our case, a modified reverse diet strategy, which is helping repair the damage that most people have done by years and years of diet after diet after diet, getting them back to a place that they can enter a sustainable fat loss phase. You then enter your fat loss phase. Ooh, ooh that's a lot of ooh, sand and wind. Oh my God, sand. I feel like I'm in the desert in Dubai Holy during Ramadan. <laughs> Holy moly. We just got fully sandblasted. And, and oh. so once you finish your fat loss phase, you high-five yourself, slap your own ass because you're in a G-string bikini, and <laughs> then what we need is an exit strategy. If you go back to how you used to eat and how you used to live, you will go back to how you used to weigh and how you used to look. You need to work yourself slowly back to maintenance or a place of sustainability so that you're not living in fat loss deficit calories forever well that's one option just stay on those calories forever which usually isn't sustainable for the majority of people so we can eat we can we're either you've got two options really option number one if you are happy with where you're at and you're like i've hit my goal I just want to work back to maintenance. I just want to go back to maintenance. You can literally just go from there back to your maintenance calories. And there's a formula for your maintenance calories. Is that a question? Yes, there is. There's a formula for your maintenance calories, which I just noticed is in question five. We should have swapped this up. Yes. There's a formula for your maintenance calories that we will share shortly. So you could you could literally just go back immediately to maintenance calories and then reverse diet again using a modified reverse diet strategy to a reverse diet back up to a place that you're happy with. If you want to lose even more fat, you could actually repeat that cycle and reverse back up nice and high and then go through another fat loss phase. Yeah. Option number two for the people that finish their fat loss phase, slap themselves on the ass in the Jason McKinney and go, you know what? I wouldn't mind losing a little bit more during this. You can reverse diet back up from your fat loss calories so if you rev- if you cut down to let's say 1500 calories from ex- for example and let's say your maintenance is 1900 as an example instead of jumping straight back up to 1900 you can reverse from 15 slowly back up and during those initial stages of the reverse you will likely still be in a deficit and therefore likely continue to lose some weight some more weight until you get back to your maintenance until your maintenance comes down and you go up and you meet it in the middle and then you repeat that process you continue to reverse diet the way that you've been taught back up to where either a you're happy to live your life Mm. or b enough to to do yet another fat loss phase afterwards yeah 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 i was just about to say a lot of people will go through a reverse diet multiple times like if you are somebody that does have you know maybe let's say more than sort of 10 kilos to maybe even more than five kilos if you're doing a fat loss phase and you're doing it in a more conservative kind of manner not something that's super duper restrictive like a huge reduction in calories kind of deal um <laughs> Brad's just up getting can you, you probably can sounds like you're actually going to the toilet he's getting some water um yeah if you're doing a a conservative approach um a a conservative fat loss approach 
yeah, like probably anything more than five kilos, you might want to reverse diet and enter a fat loss phase multiple times because actually I was going to say this is another question coming up. We're going to talk about fat loss mistakes in a minute, but because you don't want to spend your life dieting. You don't want to spend all year round dieting. So yeah, I think um, that's the exit strategy explained. I think multiple reverse diets are very handy for more people than what you might realize if you've never done one. And for a heap of reasons, number one, not everyone, but a lot of people rush their first re- reverse diet because they're so excited to get into the fat loss phase. They're like, oh my God, I just can't wait to get into the fat loss phase. I'll be so happy. You know, everything's going to be so, you know, amazing once I can't, I'm not allowed to eat. It's life will just be so good. And so some people fall into the trap of trying to get the reverse diet over and over quickly, go through the fat loss phase and then go, you know what? That reverse diet phase was fucking sick. I got to eat unrestricted. I actually ended up stuffing food in. I was eating tiny teddies with chocolate on the back of them. They're I was so li- good, by the Yeah, way. they're the best. I was allowed to eat, drink wine and enjoy myself. Now, yeah, all right, I've lost weight. Like, I've, I'm, I'm leaner on the scale. But now that I'm leaner, I actually really preferred eating more calories. It's easy when people have come from a lot of 1,200-calorie diets, mm. and that's all you're used to. Once you start eating 2,500 calories, as an example, mm-hmm. you don't realize how good that is until you're there. Yeah. And then you come back down again, and most people don't make it back to 1,200. They're like, I can, I'm at 1,600. How did I ever live on 1,200? 1,600 is so shit. Yeah. I, you know, I do want a little bit more tone or muscle, muscle mass. I do want less restriction. I do want some more food freedom. I do want to be able to enjoy stuff. And so a lot of people will go, I'm going to go back through, even if they don't necessarily have a heap of weight to lose, they'll go back through that reverse diet process because it's such a good space to live in. Yeah. So, so there's that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, you better ask this. How are we going to answer this? Do I just answer it all? What was that one? That was who asked this? You asked it. Okay. What do you want to just do? A couple each. Just go yeah. through. Them? Yeah. All right. What are five fat loss mistakes that you see? Ooh, I probably could come up with twenty. I reckon, but we'll stick to five. These will. Uh, these are like the uh, big rocks. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. It's probably heaps more big rocks. All right. The number one and. This is going to be a bit controversial, I reckon. But mine, number one, would have to be wanting to lose weight without tracking calories. Now, can you do it? Of course you can. However, I'm like, I just can't help but say or see how you could almost want to when you could still eat the foods that you like also create and build new healthy habits, understand or get a better understanding of the value of food and also achieve your goal or lose weight in a really precise manner. That's what tracking calories allows you to do. Now, there is going to be a group of people that tracking calories is not suited to and that is totally fine and you shouldn't be made to feel guilty for that if it's something that, you know, you fall into that category. Um, but yeah, that would be that would be one. I think that is a cracker of a one because tracking calories is so underrated. Yeah. It is one of the best tools you can learn for your whole life, whether you want to gain muscle, lose fat, maintain, which, by the way, they're the only three things you can do. 
Yes. Like your only three options in terms of your body is those. You can either be in a, a deficit, a surplus, or maintenance. Yeah. And the only way to accurately track that is by counting your calories. Can you imagine having no fuel gauge in your car? Yeah. Like that's that's the equivalent of never tracking calories. Think of how much easier it makes it to know how many kilometers you have left. Not only you know what, I don't even think I look at the fuel gauge anymore because it says on the thing how long you have left. You you have three hundred kilometers till yeah. empty. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's tracking calories, bro. Like you have three hundred calories left. Yeah. You have uh nineteen like, proteins left to get. Yeah. Like it is so advantageous like some motorbikes don't have fuel gauges and i have run out of fuel on motorbikes the r6 never had a fuel gauge i didn't know that. it had a fuel light and they're like adequate good enough and i've had to jump the fence on the freeway and go to a service station it happened on the aprilia as well actually that one had a fuel gauge so that might have been my fault but it is such a useful tool yes there is a very small percentage of people that i agree maybe should not track calories or that's not the best approach for them however even those people my advice or suggestion my uneducated suggestion would be can you work with someone to understand why so if you get super triggered by tracking calories right or it's um, super bad for your mental health in a certain way as someone that has struggled with mental health anytime i'm triggered by something I want to understand why. I want to help remove the trigger. And so if I go, okay, this is really triggering me, I would lean in on working with a professional to understand what is it that has happened in my life? What do I believe? Is there, you know, what is it that's causing me to feel this way about this one thing? And look, maybe it's not something that can be resolved. Maybe it's just that's something you live with, which is fine. That's uh, totally up to you. However, maybe it's something you overcome and you go, Oh my God, Brad. Number one, how much do you bench? And number two, I cannot believe that you've, you know, I've been able to overcome this thing. It was triggering me. I didn't realize it was because of this reason. Don't forget, a lot of us, uh, a lot of us as kids, and I'm going to say us because I feel like most people living, uh, listening to this podcast, we're going to be within a 10 or 15 year, you know, maybe a 20 year sort of age, age, age bracket, bracket, right? Now, if I said to Casey, mate, you're looking a bit chubby there, uh, someone would faint. Yeah. You, like, you're like, oh, hey, 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 you can't say that. Yeah. Okay. When I was a kid, that was how parents communicated with their children. Yeah. How many ladies listening to this have had a negative weight-related comment made to them by a mother, a father, an uncle? uncle yeah. Right. I would, I'm going to go on a limb and say majority. Yeah. And that was normal back then. Mm. They didn't know better. But those kinds of comments, you might not even realize, you might realize, but you also might not realize that can, especially if it happens more than once Mm. or happens consistently or whatever, should you really be eating that cupcake or this, that, the other? Even now, like husbands will say to um, chicks in our program, should you really be eating that? Mm. And that will trigger like... A, a resp- like a negative response or like a, you know, a reaction mm. because it might be rooted or see- deep-seated back to something, who knows, from 30 years ago when your mum slapped the burgerings out of your hand and said, should you be eating those chubby or something, you know, and yeah. you're like, oh my God, you know. So 
and again, it's not. I'm also going to say it's not our parents' fault because that's probably how they were brought up, or that was normal back then. Like, it's not that these are bad people necessarily. It's just times change, yeah. and we learn, and we evolve, and we grow, especially as we see, you know, over time, the results or the impacts that these things can have. So, fuck, that was long, sorry. So, the, the tracking calorie thing, I think, is one of the most underrated tools ever. Why people do meal plans, the only reason I can see that someone would do a meal plan, number one, you don't know that tracking calories exists. Number two, you know it exists, but... I'm not going to use the word lazy, but you're not yet prepared to do it. Maybe you're not in enough pain. Yeah. You're not in enough pain. Sometimes sometimes only having five kilos or ten kilos to lose, you'd be better off if you had 50. Yeah. Because you'd have to take action. Otherwise, you might have a medical. And you do anything. And you do anything. Yeah. Where sometimes you're in that cushion zone, that insulated comfort zone. Yeah. Where it's not um, killing you instantly kind yeah. of thing. Or number three, if you're some kind of an athlete, I feel like that um, meal plans can be really handy for certain athletes during certain certain times of their y- year for their sporting schedule. Yeah. I feel like that could take pressure off an athlete to have um, a sports nutritionist or dietitian design their strategy all their macros for performance for them individually and deliver that in meals and say, eat this, eat each of these meals at each of these times and that will perfectly prepare you for either a sporting performance or a weight cut or a a whatever. So there, outside of that, I think that tracking calories for a short period of time can be one of the most educational tools for anybody's um, uh, body composition process. Yeah. Uh, next one. Um, okay. Doing way too much excessive exercise. So whether that be excessive, like you could actually be, get, become excessive with weights, but also more likely excessive with cardio. So what do we believe? Like Brad was talking, like growing up, um, it was acceptable to say probably not the nicest things to people. We believed growing up that cardio was the way that you lost fat, that cardio was what we prioritized when it came to fat loss. And that's not what we believe now because we know different. So absolutely endless cardio or excessive training would be would be one thing that's holding you back or a mistake that I would I would commonly see. Yep, overtraining and cardio because so more equals more equals more right more doesn't always equal more no, no. endless cardio uh, you know what using cardio for fat loss yeah. i'll go as far as to say that i'll step on that tier as well yeah using cardio for fat loss mm, there's a time and a place at that i might use some for example if you're going to consider neat or walking as cardio, yeah. then during a fat loss phase, we'll use steps for sure to help expend a little bit of energy. Uh, right at the end of the ca- fat loss phase, sometimes we will program hits, which is effectively just some cardio as well, yeah. essentially, or s- sort of. <coughs> so in those two instances, maybe. However, 
you're using it as your main tool for driving fat loss is a hundred percent headed to an unsustainable place yeah because your body adapts to cardio yeah and so after a certain amount of time you just have to keep increasing the amount of cardio you're doing until you get to like an unsustainable point um that's two yeah uh number three i would say restriction so we see this all the time what do you do when you want to enter a fat loss phase you start restricting all the things that you love wine cheese chocolate all that kind of stuff and then what happens when you restrict it what happens when you can't have something you always want it and you want it 10 times more so we see that when there's restriction there restriction leads to binge so the way that we like to approach fat loss is live a life or a fat loss phase of inclusion rather than restriction yes it might mean that you might have to practice a little bit more restraint it might mean that hey you can't have a packet of tim tam um or you probably could but it just it might mean that you're really really hungry for the rest of the day so you know what have a tim tam every day if that's something that brings you joy or um you know if you want to fit in a glass of wine like just make make it work rather than just cutting it out completely Mm. and even on the other side of things instead of cutting things out maybe add things in at the start uh add in Protein and plants mm. at each meal. If you're someone that doesn't eat much veggies or salad, fruit, add that in. Let's start, rather than removing things immediately, how about we start adding things? Yeah. Let's add in, you know, add in a heap of veggies, but really beef up your meals. How much protein are you getting? Maybe let's add some protein. That's going to help with your muscle growth or muscle retention. Uh, instead of restricting, I would first look at what what can we add. Yeah. Um and then actually leading on to that food types is a really good one. So This is one of the biggest myths yeah, out like there. F- magical Mac- macros yeah. and food types. Yeah, macros like let's talk about all of that actually and then um you know magical foods that speed up fat loss there aren't any there's no foods that you can then go and eat and be like oh well i'm gonna have i don't know apple cider vinegar actually that's a good one that people just assume is going to speed up fat loss it doesn't like it comes down to calories of course your calories in versus calories out and your your energy expenditure and that will vary from person to person and yes um medication and things like hormones and things like PCOS can play a role in what your body does expend in terms of energy. However, that doesn't mean that calories automatically doesn't apply to you, right? Um, so that's something that's really, really important to What remember. about lemon water though? Um, doesn't Le- <laughs> Same as apple cider vinegar. It does not speed up. Like there's no magic. It's not like it starts to provide negative calorie balance or something. No, it doesn't. So it still comes down to calories in versus the the calories going out. Um, So when I talk about uh, good good foods versus bad foods, that kind of comes down to what I said with the restriction. Like you don't want to cut out stuff. There's nothing that's good versus bad. There might be something that's bad for you. So for example, Brad's lactose intolerant. Um, so he shouldn't have lactose, but lactose is totally fine with for me. So if you are somebody that has a bad reaction to gluten, for example, well, then obviously gluten's bad for you. So cut, cut that out. Otherwise, you're going to feel like crap pretty regularly. Um, and then 
Macros? Macros. Actually, this is cool because this was actually asked um, in the five-day challenge Facebook group today. And uh, um, they asked about macros and like carbs and fats and all that kind of stuff. When it comes to fat loss, carbs and fats don't play a role. It comes, it actually comes down to calories and calories alone. However, when we talk about optimal health as well, you're looking for an optimal amount of protein for a few reasons. Um, protein, particularly when you, you train as well, helps uh, to rebuild and repair your muscle that you've essentially damaged in the gym. It also helps keep you fuller for longer. Um, it is something that is vital for you to have in terms of optimal health. Um, and then um, for your hormones, you want to make sure that you are eating enough healthy fats as well. So traditionally, we've grown up, once again, grown up in an environment where fats have been demonized and you should have low fat, low this, uh, low fat, this, low fat, that, um, when really that does actually have a negative impact on your hormones if you are eating too little fat. So that's also something to consider. Mm. Uh, next one. Yep. Um, are we at four? Mm-hmm. Um, ah. Uh, this is number five. Sorry. Dieting, always dieting, always being on a diet, never having time off a diet. And I think this can, this comes from more of like a psychological place is that you feel bad if you're not dieting. And I think what people don't consider or even, yeah, consider and stop and think about is that maintenance is actually the hardest thing for people to achieve. If you think about how many times you have dieted, right? You diet, you lose weight, then you give up because you have either not tracked calories so don't understand your energy expenditure, you're doing too much cardio, you're restricting foods, right? You're you're labeling foods as good and bad and then you get to a point that you plateau um, or you get to a point where it gets way too hard and you're like, this is so shit. I just want to live a life without restriction. I want to, my kids had spaghetti last night. I just want to bloody have spaghetti, right? Like if this is how you feel, then always dieting um, is obviously not going to add any value to that because you're going to feel like that longer and longer. So, if you get to a point where you lose weight, you want to be able to return to a point of maintenance. You want to be able to lose weight in a sustainable way that doesn't have you restricting foods and you know, obviously has you eating with family and not doing excessive cardio and then go through a period of that, like dedicate a period of time to that and then return to maintenance and then aim to maintain what you've lost. And then if you're like, you know what, now I need to do another fat loss phase because I have got more weight to lose, then you, you know, focus on that down the track. That's it. That's five. Boom. Do you want to add in a magic uh, a bonus? Yeah, because I feel like that was all me. Go. Babe, this whole podcast is all you. The, <laughs> the bonus one that I would say is, I don't know if there's a fat loss mistake, but enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. If I love it. Because a lot of people are often just jumping from one diet or one shred to the next diet or the next shred... 
you're always in this, um, like, oh, I hate this, I'm always hungry, this is so terrible, this is, you know, so shit. And often it is, like, often it is shit because your, your whole strategy is just starvation, sacrifice, resentment, restriction. So, of course, and then overtraining. So, of course, it's going to suck. However, if you're in a sustainable journey, rather than always wishing for that fat loss phase to come or always wishing for this or always wish I can't wait till this like if you were let's say you bought a house it's already built but it needs a renovation it's your dream house once the renovation's done right and you're so excited you get to pick the door handles you're picking colors I'm going to move this wall whatever right would you be going through that process of doing a renovation Every single day going, I fucking hate this place. I'm not happy with this. I'm not I'm not happy with how the facade looks. I'm not happy with the, where that wall is. Can't it just be finished already? I just want it to be finished already. Now, yes, there will be days if you're living in a renovated a house that's been renovated. You'll be sick to shit of it, for sure, at times. However, if this is you day in, day out, with that bad energy, that bad juju in that house day in, day out, do you really think you're going to hit Day 200, house renovations done, flick a switch and go, oh my God, I love this. I love everything about this place. This place is so good. It's no. Im- it's impossible because you've spent whatever, 12 months or six months, whatever, only allowing your RAS to see negative things about this place. If you're doing the things that you should be doing, like I hate where that wall is, what are you going to do? I'm going to move it. Well, was there any point whinging again about that wall? The wall's going to get moved, yeah? Yeah. So during the renovation, it's going to go. Yeah. But you've got to put up with it from now to the reno. Yeah. What's going to happen by whinging? Is any um, uh, advantage to whinging about that wall again? No. Is anything going to change in a positive way? Not until it's gone. Not until it's <laughs> gone, right? Like, even then, you won't be able to appreciate it. So look at your body like you're doing a body renovation. If all you ever do is just neg on yourself, I don't like this bit, I don't like that bit, I hate this, I hate that, you're going to hit your goal and you are not going to be able to flick a switch because you're still not going to be happy with it. Because all you have allowed in through your whole body renovation is negativity, self-doubt and your RAS. So your RAS is like the bouncer at the door of a club. So your brain can only... You can't process every bit of information you see, hear, think, feel, whatever, right? Your brain would actually explode is what scientists believe. So you have what's called an RAS where there's a set of rules and you say, let this information in, don't let that information in. So when you first buy a new red barina, all of a sudden there's heaps of red barinas because they've never been let in before. But you say to your bouncer, you don't know you say this, but you say to the bouncer, red barinas are allowed in. All of a sudden, there's heaps more red barinas in your yeah. brain club, right? Yes. And it's the same. If you only ever let in negativity, that's all that your bouncer is going to let in. Your brain bouncer will only let that stuff in. And so that's all you will see. You can't get to a point and then just flick a switch and go, all right, I'm ready. Your, your, your brain club's full of negativity. It's full of bad juju. And having that negativity and that bad juju through the process is more likely to lead to self-doubt and self-sabotage. You will find a way to self-sabotage if all you're doing, day in, 
day out is saying, I hate this bit, I don't like that bit, when can this be over, I don't like this process, this is horse shit, whatever. Take a step back and allow yourself to say, that wall's in a shit spot, I'm moving it as part of this renovation. Give yourself a high five, awesome, that wall won't be there, cool, okay, I want to lose 10 kilos, I'm going to do a body renovation, cool, it's day one, did you get your three green ticks? Yes, well guess what? You are on your track, sister, to that wall not being there. It's day two. What do you do? Get your three green ticks. Boom. That's all you have to do. And along that way, if you allow that RAS, your brain bouncer, to let in those positive thoughts, I've done everything I need to do today to move towards my dream body. Well done. Give yourself a high five. Have a Tim Tanner glass of wine. Put your feet up. (laughs) I love that body renovation. All right, question number four. Would it be possible to only train lower body for the rest of your life and still maintain a decent physique, Bradley Lane? I don't know. I don't Maybe, know. Luke, you know what? Look, I think it depends Depends on a few things. One, what do you consider a decent physique? That's probably something to consider. Actually, there you go. Yes. Number two, um, how are your genetics for muscle building and muscle retention? Number three... What's the rest of your lifestyle like? Do you eat at maintenance or do you, you know, do you eat in a surplus? Like, can you just do lower body but eat in a surplus mm-hmm. and, and, and maintain a decent physique? Really depends. This is, a, this is such a nuanced it answer. Is. Where do you fall when you think about this? I'm like, look, is it possible? I think the question is, is it possible? Yeah, I guess, but it's so opinion-based. Like, I might be like, you've got a great physique and you only train lower body. Like... Mm. Yeah, it's it's nuanced. A couple of things that are un-nuanced, I guess, to consider is if you're only training low, like why are you only doing that? Like why are you only training lower body? And if you are, then you are likely going to have some imbalances that could lead to injury that might lead you then not training lower body in the long run. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like it is, it is a tough one. I get where some of this comes from because I get met with this quite a bit, particularly the females that do have quite good muscle building genetics and they want to stop training arms and they're like, oh, look, I'll just stop training arms. Well, sometimes you can end up with an um, disproportionate, like, muscle tone I guess, or muscle amount of muscle across your body sometimes you can and like I said it can lead to injury but also it's going to take a lot for yes you might naturally have um, big biceps from doing two bicep curls maybe but it's going to take a lot to grow a lot more like a lot more work to grow a lot more um, maybe it'd be more ex-athletes right that have yeah. done specifically something that has grown a specific body part for them yeah right yeah like I, maybe I, a javelin thrower <laughs> maybe that was but, not the first thing that came to my head i but feel yeah. like they'd still need strong legs though for that force production yeah absolutely they're not going to just train one part they're mm. not just going to just train their javelin throw mm. like the actual throw you seems know? like they might need a bit of leg and core yeah they're going right. to need a lot more but yeah i would i i'd like to understand why first so that you can have like a proper answer if you're just like an everyday joe blow lifestyle trainer yeah a lifestyle trainer like rad said and you just want an all-round you know tight and toned i'm going to use your guys terminology physique 
then training your full body is going to most optimally get you to there. It's going to get you in that direction. Because you're somebody that maybe is like, oh, look, I saw Cheryl and I'm just not a big fan of her biceps. Just because Cheryl's got biceps that are bigger than what you desire doesn't mean that you will for starters. Um, I think that's something to consider. And it's a part of a well-rounded physique. I usually say to people, I'm like, all you have to do is look at me. I am by no means a muscly super muscly human. I've genetically am not built to carry a lot of muscle. I just I just don't. I don't have massive biceps. Like I think it's really important to not cherry pick the person that you don't like the physique of because maybe she looks a little bit too muscly for your liking and go, "Well, I I might end up like that." And for most cuz there will be a percentage of ladies out there as well that and I'm just going to say it they have more body fat around a certain area, like their arms. Yes. And they think to themselves, I'm going to stop training my arms because I don't want my arms to be too big. Mm. So if you're feeling like, oh, should I stop training a certain body part or an upper half or a, a lower half, <coughs> excuse me, so that that doesn't get too big, I would say let's wait until you've done a complete reverse diet, a yeah. complete fat loss phase, and you're back to maintenance. Let's wait till then, so you've done all three. Reverse diet, fat loss, exit strategy. Then let's make a decision. During that time, train full body, yeah? Once we hit that, then let's look and let's take a more, an approach once you've trimmed body fat, once you've grown some muscle, and then once you're maintaining, if you were not to, you know, change from there where you would maintain, Let's decide then because what you might find is you might lose 10 kilos and go, you know what, Uh, yeah, I did think, you know, I've always had big arms, but Mm. actually that's just where I held my body fat. Everyone holds their body fat in different areas. Um, I remember when we used to train, there was a dude that was ripped six-pack year-round. We would go out to dinner and he would legitimately order two main meals. Oh, yeah. Every time. And this was not to show off or whatever. No. This is just how he ate. Now, he wasn't fat, of course. He he was ripped. But he carried his body fat in his upper legs. Now, there still wasn't a heap of body fat. He was very genetically blessed. But his upper legs, while they were big, they were nowhere near as ripped as his upper body. So someone like him, he looked like he was 6% body fat year-round. But he wasn't. He was probably double that because his body fat was held in different spots. And that's the sa- and anyone can be like that. A lot of um, the majority of females, I'm going to say are designed, I don't know if that's the right word, to hold body fat in certain areas that will protect reproductive organs. So yeah, we are. <laughs> You're like, I don't know if I can, can say that. Can you say designed? I don't yeah. know. Can you say that? Like well, built. built. We evolved. Evol- to, evolved. Yes. Evolved is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. To help protect them because... Um, you need to build. You build all the humans. You guys build all the humans. Yeah. So that was need. just that's a part of your reproductive. System. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. got to protect that. So you might find that you are someone that genetically. So for me, I hold my body fat around my midsection, so my stomach at the front. But then also, believe it or not, I get like small love handles at the back when I gain body fat. It's not an issue, and no one else will probably ever notice it. But that's just where I happen at. Like, what a weird spot. Love when handles at the back. When you put it on, that's where you get. When it. I gain weight, that's where I hold my body fat. That's where it goes to, right? Not your bum. Not at all. <laughs> no. 
lean ass, honey. Um, hairless and lean. But for other chicks, you might just carry it around those upper arms, and you might find once you, you know, once you get to the pointy end. Yeah. And so if you spend six months, twelve months, whatever, not training upper body, only training lower body, then you get to a point and you've created an imbalance. That might be something that then takes years to undo. Question number five. After a fat loss phase, how do I know what my new maintenance calories are? I feel like when I say what this is, I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, 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 it's too hard. You're going to need a pen and paper. (laughs) But basically, in short, this is how you work it out. So you take the weight that you have lost. Now, I usually do this in the last three weeks. And the reason I do this, the weight that you've lost in the last three weeks, is because most of our clients take a diet break every fourth week. So we're going to run with that method right now. So you will take the total weight that you have lost in grams over the last three weeks, let's call it, whilst you were in a calorie deficit in grams. So let's just say for argument's sake... 1,500 grams. 1,500 grams. Then you will times that by 5.9. This is the formula, guys. Don't be like, oh, what does all of this mean? This is just the formula. Times 5.9 and then you will divide it by the number of days that you were in the fat loss phase. 21. Or the last fat loss phase, which was 21 days, right? Three weeks, 21 days. That will give you and then you'll add a that. number. Sorry, I'll yes. just cut you off again. Yeah, that's I? all right, mate. <laughs> Shall you finish it off? Then you'll get a number. Like, let's say it's 432, let's just say. Um, you will add that number to the amount of calories on average that you were eating over the last three weeks. So, that might be on average, you know, week one you ate 1,530. Then the next week you might have eaten 1,560. You know, take those three numbers divided by three. That's going to give you the average numbers. And then add that to the smaller number that you just got from the long formula that I gave you. And then boom, that will be your um, calculated uh, maintenance calories and a lot of people freak out actually they're like oh but hang on a minute I'm going to lose I'm going to not lose weight anymore I'm going to start gaining weight because it's more calories if you had just actually lost weight in the last three weeks like let's say 1500 um 1500 grams yes 1.5 kilos right let's say you lost at a one and a half kilos in the last three weeks and you were eating 1500 calories and that's what you ate to get there that's like you in a calorie deficit you have lost weight eating 1500 calories we have calculated your actual maintenance calories. That will help you maintain the weight that you are at right now. So, yeah, no problem. If you are in any of our groups, there's a tab in your magic spreadsheet that does this for you. Yeah, you don't even have to work it out. You just, boom. It will tell you what to do. It yeah. will say, write week one calories here yeah. and write your average weight. Yeah. That's all you do. You just enter those like six, six pieces of data, three weights and three calories and then it tells you what yours is yeah don't do this okay so when would you when would you do this is probably a good good point to add after a fat loss phase like i'm halfway through a fat loss phase it's a wednesday should i just try no absolutely not do not just like randomly try it people do this all the time and this is honestly i laugh because i feel like Actually, we spoke about this on the podcast that didn't actually make it because it got deleted. Mm. I feel like since we've been on this trip that I'm starting to really understand the way that women think a lot more and men think a lot more. Now, women 
they just, we, they, we are just crazy and just want to know on a lazy Wednesday, like what these calories might be for absolutely no reason. And it can literally send you off like into an angry tangent that could have been avoided. Like, just don't do it. Just don't do it. (laughs) You know what? I don't feel like I've ever felt something in my soul any more than what you just said. I'm like, you are totally right. Like it can send you into a spin for no reason. Like so unnecessary, right? Mm. We and we Good point. the thing is we cuz Brad he's like looking at me weird when I'm like talking about I feel like I know men and women so much more since we've been on this trip. I just yeah, I've learned a lot more and I'm thinking like when we go into the Facebook group, you do see ladies do things like this. They're having a great time. Mm. Like everything's smooth sailing. There's no problems whatsoever. And then they go and do something unnecessary and it just backfires. Oh what does this mean? Could this mean this? And what should I do with that? Yeah. You're like, and hey, you're like, it hasn't happened. Relax, Cheryl. All <laughs> yeah. good. Just close that box back up and just yeah. do what you're doing yeah. what should you get today my green ticks okay awesome. are you getting them yes don't worry about the wall don't about the wall we'll bust it out soon yes get your ticks yes um that's the end of a podcast and we're gonna upload it this yes <laughs> thank god um if you don't already follow me on instagram ash underscore underscore lane if you don't already follow brad at train with brad And come and check out our free five-day fat loss forever challenge. It is the first of its kind where someone has designed a um, a five-day webinar, seminar, masterclass, whatever you want to call it, and literally given away hours and hours of free information showing you why maybe diets have failed in the past, how to overcome um, food freedom, how to get food freedom, overcome restriction, overcome binging, overcome uh, scale sadness, what to do with your training, what's the best kind of training for fat loss, how to design your own training program. Absolutely everything gets shared in there for free and you will be, mark my words, the wave is coming. Fast forward five years and what we're teaching today will be very standard. So you can either be at the back of the wave and spend five years being sad, or you can be at the front of the wave, and when your friend comes and tells you that she's heard about some new thing, you can be like, yes, I learned that five years ago, and that's why I have a sick physique now. <laughs> so come and check out. the. F- it's free. It's You'd free. be crazy not to. <laughs> You've only got one thing to lose. And it's body fat. All right, guys. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Oh, no, I didn't press record. Oh, my God. Just joking. <laughs>